The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey, everybody. It's Casey Fields, your manager for municipal advocacy, and welcome to another edition of City Quick Connect podcast with my always present, always partner in crime, my colleague, Scott Flatton. Scott. Coming to us live from Woodruff today, right? Yes, I am. Yes, I'm traveling today, and so I am uh, back in my old favorite stomping grounds in Woodruff, South Carolina. Hello, Mayor Gist. Hello, Lee Bailey, Tony Sloan, everybody else on council, everybody. My old friends. Yeah, so I'm, I'm patronizing a, uh, a a wonderful business in Woodruff, the Country Meat Center that was is owned by the Brown family. Uh, good people have been here a long time, and they have a fabulous, fabulous butcher shop. It's pretty brand new, um, right on uh, right on Main Street, out, just outside of the downtown area. I, I, I was in search of chicken wings and found them uh, due to the chicken wing shortage that I was advised about. So, Well, let's uh, make sure you get home safely. Um, yes. And I'm glad you're not driving while you're doing the podcast. That's so that, correct. That I am part. That makes me feel better. So Scott, last week in the um, in the House and Senate, we've got a lot of things to talk about. So let's just get let's get straight to it. Let me give you just a quick overview. The House met in regular session last week, every day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The Senate met on Wednesday and Thursday. They did not meet on Tuesday. It's called perfunctory session, or they will meet pursuant or according to Rule One B, which allows the Senate to. Um, meet whenever they want to, really, or not meet if they have another pressing issue. That pressing issue was for the Senate Medical Affairs Committee to hear the appointment and to hear testimony from Dr. Edward Simmer, the nominee to be the new director of the Department of Health and Environmental Control. Um, No time like the present to get a leader at DHEC, I might say. So they worked on that on Tuesday, and... Everybody came back together on Wednesday to have a joint assembly, a joint session in House chambers to elect judges. There were several judge, uh, judicial races that were um, that had to be that were open, that had to be voted on, and positions filled. And then everybody worked regularly the rest of the week. Um, a couple of things are um, in play for cities and towns uh, coming up this week. Let's go ahead and start with abandoned buildings. So 271, that extends the Abandoned Buildings Revitalization Act until December 2025. Scott, you want to talk about what committee members did, what Senate Finance, the full committee did, and then it went to the floor? Yeah, so the the bill, of course, was on the uh, full finance committee agenda, and it was amended in full committee to accomplish one of the other things that – is on our advocacy initiatives list, and that is to open up the Textiles Revitalization Act a little bit uh, with regard to intervening connectors. And so right. a, an amendment was uh, was put up by Senator Ronnie Cromer from Newberry on behalf of Senator Wes Clymer from Rock Hill that would uh, would consider railroads and just roads, not public or private roads, but any road would consider those two things as an intervening connector. And this is and, and this is important because if a textile 
site is bisected by something other than a public or private road under the current law, then it can't be considered as one site for purposes of the tax credit. So uh, Senator Clymer asked that the the Abandoned Buildings Act bill, the extension, be amended with this Textiles Revitalization Act amendment, Mm -hmm. and he included railroads in addition to roads as those things that would not that if a if a site is a textile site is bisected by one of those things a road or a railroad then it could still be considered as a single site for the purposes of the tax credit the tax credit now, right right now one of the things that we as the municipal association would like to do is to expand that even further this intervening connector this list of intervening connectors to include easements, uh, bodies of water like a creek or a pond, um, right. anything that is, con- is is listed as an intervening connector in the annexation laws, in the existing annexation laws, is what we would like to include as an intervening connector list for the Textiles Revitalization Act. And so um, the, the, the amendment that Senator Clymer uh, put forth, uh, or Senator Crumber put forth on behalf of Senator Climber, uh, gets part of the way there, but we'd like to see that, uh, go a little bit further and, and we'll be working with certainly the city of Rock Hill, which is where, uh, Senator Climber is from and others to see if we can expand that a little bit further as that bill, as the Abandoned Buildings Act with this amendment moves forward, uh, through the Senate and then eventually over to the House. Right, right. So this is a Senate bill. So now it's on the calendar and just awaiting action by the by the full Senate, which would likely be next week. Well, and, this and week, course, I mean, this week. The the effect, Casey, is in in us continuing to try and expand that list of of intervening connectors is to make even more sites potentially available, textile sites available right. for, for redevelopment. Credit. Right, for redevelopment, for businesses to come in and redevelop those buildings in cities and towns and to, right. to really, yeah, to grow economic development, which I think is, is just one other partnership between cities and businesses, which I think is, is great to point out. Um, all right, let's, let's move on from that to the municipal parking bill, uh, Senate Bill 40 sponsored by Larry Groom. This bill came out of Senate transportation last week and is on the Senate calendar, but it's on the contested calendar because several senators have put their objection onto the bill, um, putting it on that calendar. So you want to very briefly kind of, because we talked about this last week, talk about um, this bill and kind of what it what it does. So this bill, S-40, would, uh, as it's written, require cities and towns to get the DOT's approval, approval bef- right. uh, before they can implement or make changes to parking plans with regard to parking on state-owned roads, on on state Mm -hmm. highways. Right. Which, as we all know, most of the roads in cities and towns across the state are owned by the Department of Transportation. uh, You know that the road I live on, which is just a run-of-the-mill garden variety residential road, is owned Mm -hmm. by DOT? Yeah. Any street or road that you 
travel on, when you come to an intersection and you see the little, the black little not very tall sign with a bunch of numbers on it, that indicates that that is a state-owned road, if you didn't, if you didn't know that. Uh, it's black with white lettering on it. It'll, it'll say, it'll have, you know, some series of numbers with SC and then some, some series, of, even residential streets. Anyway, so this bill, so Casey, if you have parking, if there's parking on your street, right. then, and the city of Columbia wanted to make some change to the way or or allow some different kind or more people or take away parking from your street, this bill would require the city of Columbia to get DOT's approval before they could implement that. Correct. And, uh, the, of course, we, the association, spoke against this bill and subcommittee, and since that time we have been working very closely with the uh, cities and towns who are most particularly affected by one provision in the bill, and that is uh, mandating that all parking on state highways on barrier islands be free. So we are working closely with those cities and towns on the barrier islands, uh, along with DOT, to try to come to some solutions that uh, that make DOT happy with their parking. And, of course, this is a result of the of the issues that were created because of the pandemic and the closure of beaches right. last summer. Right. Right. So uh, we're working to try and get some solutions to those issues specifically so that we can perhaps um, uh, change, make amendments to S-40 so that it doesn't have as wide an effect on all cities and towns across the state and and or just do away with the need for legislation entirely. So that's where we're working. Um, you know, this has been, it, it's a, it's a policy issue, but it's also been a little emotional as well. Uh, right. so we're, we're trying to, as the association, we're trying to navigate the, uh, the needs of uh, DOT and the public at large who DOT is representing and the specific concerns of the, the barrier island communities and weigh all of that against the the what cities and towns statewide are doing with regard to their parking, which is largely um, which is largely non controversial uh, at this point. Right. So right. it's uh, we're, we're navigating that. We're trying to trying to juggle all these balls at, at the same time and all these interests, uh, and, and hopefully come out on the other side. But as you mentioned. Right. The bill has uh, two objections on it, Senator uh, Brad Hutto from Orangeburg and Senator mm-hmm. Sean Bennett from Somerville. Right. Um, they both put an objection on the bill, which keeps it on the contested calendar. And they did that in an effort to give all of the parties involved in this bill and involved in this issue the chance to come to a solution uh, that we can all agree upon, bring that back to the Senate, uh, and Senator Grooms, Larry Grooms from um, the Goose Creek area in particular, right. who's the sponsor Bono of the bill. Bono in particular, if you Bono, want to get real specific. Give them the opportunity to make an amendment, perhaps, and, uh, and, and, and move forward. I know you've put a lot of time into this. We've all been working um, to try to work something out that makes everybody happy. So I think that's, you know, we're, we're getting there, I believe. Um, let's go... I want to skip around just for a minute, and this it won't take long, but I want to give an update on Senate Bill 82, which um, 
is the new version of the previous bill, S7, on tort reform. Um, it was voted out of a subcommittee, a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee, last week. And um, it's got the same language in the bill that it did last year. And, Scott, if you could just – I know you've been following this bill as well. If you could just kind of give everybody just a quick overview and just the latest thing that we did last week to to help the situation. Yeah, so that bill is – it would raise the uh, tort caps for public entities – from 300,000 and 600,000 per occurrence to 500,000 and a million dollars per occurrence. And that, again, as you said, Casey, is something that was uh, compromised on right. a couple of years ago that's gone forward. This bill has not changed from that compromised position, that compromised language that everyone got to uh, last year, year before. We have, again, submitted the fiscal effects that the bill will have on insurance premiums, general liability insurance premiums to the members of SMURF, which is our uh, property and liability insurance program. So Heather Reichert, our our Director of Risk Management Services, uh, updated those figures. And, of course, there will be an increase in premiums because of the increase in the the caps. The, The big question mark, is uh, as reinsurance goes up and if there are any changes to the definition of occurrence, mm-hmm. uh, which means if, if, if one event happens that somebody sues on, there is an effort, there's another bill, Senate Bill 81, that would, that would allow potentially for one occurrence to have multiple claims made against it, and that would be a, a dramatic change from right. how we operate now. That that is that bill is has not gotten any movement, but there are a lot of a lot of things that go into the p- potential increase in premiums for cities and towns. The committee is made aware, the staff has been made aware of the effects that that we anticipate. The of course the county association has done the same, but um, if this bill continues to move forward largely unchanged, then the municipal association's position is one of uh, non-opposition. We are not opposing it, but we are also not supporting it. Uh, we're just trying to keep the Senate uh, and, and the House members informed as to the effects that it will have. Perfect. And whenever the full Senate Judiciary Committee meets, if that's this week or next, uh, we'll keep everybody posted on that. So, now let's the, talk. Yeah, well, let me let me mention too, Casey. In okay. in the Judiciary Subcommittee last week, they also advanced out the COVID liability bill, right? Which uh, which includes coverage for cities and towns. So okay, so so that it limits the opportunity for people to to make a claim against cities and towns and private businesses as well right. for uh, you know if they if they are sick if they want to claim that they got sick with COVID as a result of their work. So cities and towns are included in that liability protection, and that's a a good thing. We obviously support that. Um, Great. That's a great point, and I'm glad that you brought that up. All right, so now let's talk a little bit of COVID-19 vaccine. Um, I feel like that's all we talk about, which I guess we have been doing that for almost a year now, which is hard to believe. 
Um, there is a bill that the House Ways and Means um, introduced. The full House passed it several weeks ago, sent it over to the Senate. Senate subcommittee passed it out. Senate Finance Committee amended it and passed 3707, which is the bill um, out last week and sent it to the full Senate. They've debated it a little bit. There were some amendments, Scott, that were added to that bill that directly affect cities and towns. And they were added because of some success that a city had with a vaccine event. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, the city of Rock Hill partnered with their local hospital to open up a vaccination center. And as a result of that, the General Assembly saw fit to amend 3707 to include political subdivisions, which include cities and towns, right. in, in the mix of entities that could receive funding from the General Assembly in support of uh, getting right. shots, so shots a vaccine in arms. Event. That's right. right. So, but 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 the city or town that wants to put on this event, obviously, uh, in the bill, has to work with their local hospital because cities right. and they towns can't just do it on their own. Yeah, we, you can't you can't we can't acquire vaccines on our own. You have to do right. that right. through your your hospitals. So. Um, if you are a city or town and you've partnered with a hospital or would like to partner with a hospital or some vaccine provider, you know, vac- you know, someone who can receive vaccines, then you can also take advantage of the $100 million, the $100 million pot. The, the, the Senate split the pot, the $100 million into 75 and 25 million. So mm-hmm. 75 million goes towards hospitals and political subdivisions who partner together. $25 million goes to other vaccinators like pharmacies perhaps and right. political subdivisions who might partner with them. So if your local CDS or, or even your, you know, hometown pharmacist is able to acquire some vaccine, then you could partner with them as the city to put on this vaccination event. And, uh, th- those funds you could use to, for renting a facility or, you know, right. fitting a facility to accommodate all of the requirements that you need to have in terms of, you know, after you vaccinate somebody, you got to hold them somewhere and observe them for 15, 15 minutes. minutes. Right. So, you know, if you, if you need to, uh, if you need to, uh, upfit a, a facility in order to, like a that, gym or you, something, if you right. had like a, like a, a big warehouse, you know, some kind of large right. place. Yeah, so you could uh, you could you could apply for those funds to cover that expense. Don't know exactly how that process is going to work, but just know if if you're a city or town and you spend money to do these things, then you will be able to get that money back um, right. at some point right. in in the process. And, now, and that bill also allocated money to DHEC directly to DHEC and MUSC. That's right. For yeah. vaccine distribution, along with that vaccine reserve account, that hundred million to try to to spur on distribution. I mean, vaccine distribution yeah. events or you know things that that cities and towns can do to help get it. Yeah. Out. Now there, you know, the, the bill got second reading last week and right is on the calendar. Will be on the calendar this week for third reading. Right. Um, but but part of the was, motion, Scott, was yeah. to hold amendments. 
Exactly. Because normally they don't do amendments on third, but part of the motion was is to hold those amendments. So there are definitely more amendments going on this bill. That's that's exactly right. So uh, we'll see if if we'll see what kind of amendments are offered and potentially passed. I will tell you that the debate on the floor last week, uh, Senator Thomas Alexander from Wahala, you know, he I think he really wanted to get that thing done. Yeah, uh, and, and expedited. He seemed really reluctant to entertain any more amendments. But being yeah. a a collegial and deliberative body that the Senate is, he uh, he acquiesced to that request by some senators, and uh, hopefully right. they'll they'll take care of that very quickly this week. Um, Scott, you know, I'm just gonna take one minute here just to do a little bragging, um, and you know, I'm just gonna tell everybody um, up front. I'm partial to cities and towns, obviously, but ever since COVID made its way to South Carolina, I just have to say this. Dispute me if you want to. Cities and towns have really been the leaders. Um, they, they've really stepped up. Our, our local leaders have said, you know, we, we're going to help mitigate spread. We're going to order. We're going to mandate masks. We're going to help with testing. We're going to help with vaccinations. We're really going to get this thing knocked out, and I'm just really proud to be um, associated with with these local leaders that have stepped up and and really made a difference with this. I believe. Well, Casey, you know, and that's being recognized elsewhere, uh, just even out, outside of South Carolina. A, a national political blog, uh, a podcast that I listened to, mentioned that uh, the efforts that the town of Mount Pleasant and, and Mayor Will Haney made with regard to employing the the Chick-fil-A, the local Chick-fil-A owner right, right. and managers to help with logistics of a of a, a testing event that they held. So, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And, and cities and towns always have been the leaders. You know, we can name any number of different issues over the right. years. Well, I mean, anytime... Anytime you have a hurricane or, you know, some sort of natural disaster, you've got, you know, your, your front line is your, is your local leaders who are working with, you know, National Guard and, you know, your statewide EMD and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's your local folks that are, that are there every day and they're feeling that same pain. And, and I'll give the, I'll give the General Assembly, particularly the Senate in this case, a lot of some credit for recognizing that and amending This uh, this COVID relief bill, the, the vaccination Absolutely. bill, to uh, to take into consideration the efforts that cities and towns have been making across the state. All right, well that's that was my TED talk on local leadership. <laughs> appreciate appreciate everybody coming to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about? This week should be a fairly uh, normal week. We're going to see some movement um, on some issues. We're going to see some movement on the budget on the House side. Um, yep. We should we should really be just a, a run of the mill week this week um, Tuesday Wednesday Thursday anything else Scott that we need to touch on before we let well, everybody go for the day yeah yeah I guess uh, you know a couple of big issues that one issue in the house that you'll hear a lot of talk about in the media will be the abortion bill that uh, right. got out of subcommittee That's last right. week and there it'll is a be, full judiciary meeting this week so yeah, I fully expect full, that to move. Yeah, that it'll it'll probably come out of full judiciary this week and onto the floor, and 
once that gets onto the uh, House calendar, certainly it'll be it'll go onto the contested calendar, at, and uh, we'll see how they get to it at some point. The right. other thing that uh, we need to keep an eye on, not necessarily that specifically um, affects cities and towns, although it does to some degree, particularly law enforcement, is the open carry bill has uh, is is going to be uh, under consideration and debate in the House. So these these bigger uh, issues that I hate to say don't have a direct effect on cities and towns, but they do in the in the sense right. that they they well it's an individual effect that they cl- you know. they cl- they, you know from from our from our point of view as trying to get things done on behalf of cities and towns, they clog up the House and Senate calendars and, right, and take up right. time and space that we really need to get our things done. But keep those things in mind and keep an eye on them as they, uh, as they progress through the legislative process and, and how, and keep in mind how they affect our ability to be able to keep things moving that are most important to cities and towns. Right, right. That's exactly right. Good point. Um, anything else? I can't think of anything, Casey. Uh, thank I really everybody. Can't I mean, we'll be really appreciate everybody who uh, re- watched all of the hometown legislative action week videos last week. Had Absolutely. tremendous had tremendous uh, uh, response to those. I encourage people to share those videos with your legislators. Share those with your local media, your papers, your television stations, radio stations, anybody that uh, is is important in your community. And uh, I hope that they are good, quick primers on the advocacy initiatives that we're pursuing on behalf of cities and towns. And just uh, really appreciate all the support and the great comments. Got a lot of good, positive feedback about it last week. So uh, kudos to our communications team for making, as you call us, the talent, Casey, I don't know that I would say that, but making us look good and, uh, and, and keeping our, uh, our members informed. You think, you think this is going to make us famous? No. You think these videos are going to make, you don't? No, not in the least. Not in the okay. least. Okay. Well, I, was, I mean, I was hoping like just for, I mean, you know, I don't, <laughs> really, I just want to be rich, not famous. <laughs> You're right. Totally exactly. fine with that. Like, don't make me famous. I don't really want to deal with the paparazzi. I think that's too much. That'd be too much for my family. Um, Everybody, thank you so much for listening to another edition of City Quick Connect Podcast. Please remember to continue to wear your mask, mask, wash your hands, socially distance, and take care of yourself. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. The City Quick Connect Podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the Association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.